All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business. This is Simone Grogan with your Monday afternoon headlines. Warrego Energy shares have rallied today as investors wait to see whether Kerry Stokes-backed Beach Energy will match rival bidder Gina Reinhart's $350 million cash offer to take control of the Perth Basin developer. Beach Energy has five days to launch a counter-proposal against Hancock Prospecting's front-running $0.28 cents per share offer for all the stock in Warrego. It follows back-to-back bids from the pair, with Hancock offering $0.23 cents per share last Wednesday, raising the stakes from an earlier beach bid of $0.20 cents per share. On Friday, Stokes Beach Energy jumped back in with a $0.25 offer, which was quickly trumped by a $0.28 offer from Hancock Prospecting. The Targets Board has at this stage determined Hancock's bid as superior, with the suitor promising more exploration spending for the timely development of West Aragulla as a new gas supplier in the Western Australian market. There has also been speculation that Mineral Resources, which has substantial acreage in the Perth Basin via its 80% interest in the Lockyer Deep discovery, may throw its hat in the ring. Meanwhile, Warrego shares have risen more than 76% since joint venture partner Strike Energy, which is leading the West Aragulla development, first made public its plans to merge with the company. Strike's initial script bid valued Warrego at $227 million, but has seemingly dropped out of the race. After trading at about $0.18 under four weeks ago, Warrego is currently hovering at $0.32 per share, up 12% for the day in a $388.7 million market cap. And in property, rapidly rising construction costs and uncertainty over interest rates have led to zero new apartment projects being launched to the Perth market for the first time in the last eight years. Urbis' recent Apartment Essentials report shows that for the first time since the data was recorded in 2014, no projects were formally launched to the market in the three months to September 30. While some developers have put out expressions of interest in advertising campaigns, no sales contracts were signed for apartment projects of 25 apartments or more in that period, Urbis says. Since the research group started compiling the data eight years ago, an average of 651 apartments and seven new developments have been launched each quarter in Perth. Urbis director David Cresp said the lack of project launches meant less apartments were at pre-sale stage, which would ultimately exacerbate the city's housing shortage. The data also shows that apartment sales are at their lowest since the second quarter of 2020 due to a lack of availability of stock and consumer uncertainty over interest rates. Urbis recorded 192 apartments sold in the third quarter of 2022, compared with 316 the previous quarter and a recent peak of 487 in the fourth quarter of 2021. And company director John Poynton has quietly added to his board portfolio, joining Perth Airport two months ago as a representative of the Australian Government's Future Fund. He joined the Perth Airport board as a non-executive director at the start of October, replacing News Corp executive Michelle Dalmeida as a Future Fund representative. The Future Fund is Australia's sovereign wealth fund and its vast investment portfolio includes a 30% shareholding in Perth Airport. Mr Poynton, who is an experienced pilot, joins Wendy Norris as one of two Future Fund representatives on the airport board. He has been a member of the Future Fund's Board of Guardians since 2014. His other roles include leading corporate advisory firm Poynton Stavriano and chairing ASX-listed Strike Energy. Just last week, Business News reported he had accepted another role as a non-executive chair of newly formed litigation funding business Hartwell Funds. His appointment at Perth Airport adds to multiple changes over the year, including the resignation of former chair Nev Power, who pleaded guilty to breaching WA's COVID border restrictions. 
Perth Airport is also set to get a new chair next month when experienced company director Rob Cole takes up the role. One of the first tasks facing Mr Cole and his board will be to select a replacement for outgoing Chief Executive Kevin Brown, who is set to retire this Friday. And in deals, Hancock Prospecting will take up a 10% stake in Arafura Rare Earths via the ASX Lister's latest $120 million capital raising. Arafura tapped institutional, sophisticated and professional investors for the funds in a Bell Potter Canaccord Genuity-led placement, which had shares on offer at 37 cents each. The offer price represented a 15.9% discount on Arafura's last close price. Hancock Prospecting was a cornerstone investor in the raising, subscribing for $60 million worth of shares in the placement and buying the company a 10% interest in Arafura. The new capital will bankroll a suite of activities at Arafura's Nolan's Rare Earths project, which will include pinning down a design for a hydrometallurgical plant, early construction works and orders for long lead items. A further $12 million is expected via a share purchase plan, taking the total potential raise to $133 million. And coming up next, Matt McKenzie talks about what he learned when he covered a political rally in the US, and Jordan Murray discusses his recent conversation with Washington's new top diplomat in WA. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insight search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry, wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. Welcome back to Act Close of Business. I'm Matt McKenzie and I'm joined today by Jordan Murray. Jordan, after so many discussions about America, today I'm going to be asking you about American matters. And I'm excited to do it. I'm the nerd that everyone gets for the pub quizzes where US presidents is the topic. Well, and, as and you, you know, can name Matt, them. You I, can name the senators too. I can name all 100 US senators. But today, unfortunately, Jordan, you won't have an opportunity to do that. Fortunately for our listeners. Uh, instead, you're going to be talking about US Consul General to Perth, Siriana Nair, who you spoke to recently for the magazine. Uh, she's from Arizona. She is from Arizona, which is a mining state, much like Western Australia. In fact, there's plenty of companies here that have an interest in Arizona. South 32 is one of them, and Charlie Bass's companies also uh, have a bit of a stake over there. And I somewhat uh, cheekily asked the question, well, what's it like going from one mining uh, state to another mining state? And she said, wow, when you get to Western Australia, there's nothing that quite prepares you for the extent to which the mining industry just permeates everything. Right. And I found that really amusing because she's had a pretty significant background in the Foreign Service. She joined, uh, she was actually part of the last class before 9-11 to sit the exam to join the Foreign Service. Um, we talked a bit about that in our interview. Um, but she spent a lot of time in the region, uh, being stationed in nearby countries, and as well spent some time in Brazil, which is obviously one of our uh, biggest competitors on uh, iron ore exports. But yes, a ranging discussion with uh, Washington's top diplomat here in Perth. Arizona's very hot, but they do have um, access to the Colorado River and a few little lakes where people can do speedboating and stuff. And as it happened, uh, the you know the Grand Canyon, Colorado River... I kayaked down the Horseshoe Bend. So there's a story. It was beautiful. Uh, Exhausting, though. Anyway, hardly relevant to Miss Nair, but the US is obviously a very strong and important partner of Australia. Can you take us through what she said about our relationship with our American friends? Uh, Critical minerals. 
very strong part of the relationship, very strong uh, aspect of investment for the US federal government at the minute. And she cited a handful of acts that had been signed into law by uh, US President Joe Biden. And I think the Inflation Reduction Act was the most notable one, which you know, somewhat misleadingly isn't actually about producing inflation. I like it's how a, you said that. <laughs> it's actually about uh, furthering investment in green technologies, a worthy cause, but, you know, maybe not an inflation-reducing cause. <laughs> <laughs> also had a bit of uh, word about $120 million that was invested into Linus Corporation, which are going to build a, a heavy rare earth separation facility in Texas, which will be online in FY25. Uh, that was US $120 million. Uh, and particularly the uh, opportunities there for Australian businesses on that front because a lot of these uh, materials are mined in China Mm. and for very obvious reasons the US would probably like it if they could buy them from someone else Yeah, and it just so happens that we're somewhere else Mm. and we're not quite as on nasty terms with America (laughs) as China is. Uh, So I think it's about taking something that in, in nominal terms can actually be quite scary and frightening and saying to uh, not only Australians, but I guess Americans as well, uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunities to work together and there's a lot of opportunities to take something that could be perceived as a threat and uh, making the most of it. And so I think a lot of Australian businesses would be happy to see some of the dollar figures that are throughout this article and uh, some of the initiatives that Joe Biden has signed off on. Yeah, those are rare earths. I mean, if you want to have a magnet in your phone or a battery in your phone or indeed half the stuff in your phone or your laptop or you want to say you know, manufacture a guided missile or a plane or a ship or whatever, or a torpedo, pretty important to have uh, access to those materials. And uh, you don't necessarily want a country that isn't your best friend controlling, you know, monopolising your supply of them. What's the role of a US Consul General in Perth? So the broad role is to basically perform a lot of those services that are the US nationals are entitled to when overseas. So you're obviously not able to go to the embassy itself if you're in Perth because the embassy isn't here, it's on the other side of the country. Uh, so a lot of those uh, very basic sort of tasks are completed here for Americans that are on Australian soil on the West Coast. Um, but there's also a broader role around promoting business connections and promoting business ties here in the state. And people with a long memory might remember that a couple of months ago, Prior to him leaving and Syriana Nea taking this position here in uh, WA, uh, that I spoke to David Gaynor. And he talked a bit about some of the opportunities, uh, again, actually, in this space, particularly around green technologies and electric vehicles. And even when uh, the previous ambassador to Australia, Arthur B. Culverhouse Jr., uh, under President Donald Trump, when he arrived in Perth, he was talking about a lot of opportunities in uh, oil and gas. So maybe that reflects some of the changes in policy that happen with a new administration when they when they come in. And I think particularly he was talking about um, the amount that Chevron had invested here in Western Australia. Truckloads. Truckloads of money. He was (laughs) hastened to add that throughout his speech. And you also covered off on the recent uh, US midterm elections, which were watched with um, a higher level of interest than many previous midterm elections from Australia. I I think you're right. And and to be blunt, I think it's because there was some odd characters who ran in that election. And, And there were some interesting ones as well. So a lot of people who... 
had risen to political fame on the back of fame outside of politics. Uh, NFL footballer Herschel Walker was a good example of that. Uh, Dr Oz, who uh, obviously was known for being on Oprah's show. Uh, J.D. Vance, who wrote the book Hillbilly Elegy. He's also a venture capitalist. Uh, Blake Masters, who worked for Peter Thiel's company. Characters who again, were notable for not having very much political experience and for as well their connection to Donald Trump, particularly his claims around the 2020 uh, US presidential election. A lot of them went down to defeat. J.D. Vance won his race in Ohio. Herschel Walker's gone to a runoff in Georgia. Uh, Mehmet Odds was uh, defeated by John Fetterman. Uh, Blake Masters defeated by uh, Mark Kelly in the state of Arizona, funnily enough. Um, But one character I focused in on for this article was Carrie Lake, who ran for governor of Arizona. Uh, And she was probably the loudest proponent of the uh, election fraud claims uh, that were made by the previous previous president. Uh, She lost her race, uh, but prior to that, uh, she actually did an interview with Liam Bartlett, uh, who at the time was working for 60 Minutes here in uh, Western Australia. And uh, it was a very testy little interview that they had in which uh, Liam Bartlett was asking about her support of uh, Mr Trump's claims and devolved into a bit of a shouting match where Mm. she started talking a bit about gun laws and uh, COVID restrictions here in Australia. So very, very uh, strange scenes, to put it bluntly. But having said that, I did have to ask about the state of domestic politics in the US because I think it's the sort of thing that even if it doesn't necessarily uh, affect Australia, I think people do look at some of the things that are said over there and they do feel a bit alarmed. And she assured me that the US has no issue with Australia. That relationship is as strong as it gets and, you know, that investment speaks to it as well. And I guess as a follow-on from that, I asked, well, will Joe Biden be the first US president to come to Perth? I think she'd like the idea, but I don't think it's going to happen. (laughs) But having spoken about the election, Matt, uh, in the latest edition of Business News, uh, you actually, when you were in the US, managed to get a media pass and went along to a political rally. We don't get them very much in Australia. We're all a bit calmer than, than Americans when it comes to our politics. Uh, but you got to witness it in the flesh. Yeah. And you wrote about it in the travel column. Can you give listeners the lowdown on what happened? Well, that, um, that was an opportunity, Jordan, because, uh, you know, last, uh, well, 2020 now was the, was the elections. That's more than a year ago. Uh, if we weren't all sort of locked in through COVID, uh, I was really seriously considering going to the US for a couple of months and just sort of, I don't know, freelancing or something and trying to cover the election. So this was uh, as close as I could get to that, getting myself a media pass to a Republican rally in uh, regional Illinois. Uh, while I happened to be, you know, it was good, it was good because I happened to be in St. Louis, uh, you know, a few days before this. Uh, and I saw Mr. Trump speaking, former President Donald Trump. Uh, and... Um, do you know, a few observations about it. I spoke to people in the crowd and a lot of really nice, friendly people. And, of course, they have some pretty strong views on issues that um, a lot of Australians might, may not really kind of understand or kind of gel with. But they were all, you know, they were good, friendly, nice people. A lot of young people there that I spoke to particularly. Um, there were two young women uh, who were, I think, named Christy and Ashley or something like that, um, and they were talking to me about, you know, how Trump was a great businessman and how they loved him for that. And, and then also they were speaking about gun laws, which is obviously a very controversial topic. But, you know, I can understand when you grow up in, in a regional country town, um, your views on guns are obviously going to be very, very different from someone who is growing up in the, 
uh, you know, Chicago, 500 miles down the highway or 500 kilometres down the highway. So there's a, they have some very passionate and strong views about that and not something I'm interested in really getting into today, but it just goes to show that in America there are very different views. You know, society is... You wouldn't say that, that it's... Well, it is a bit divided, isn't it? But it's been that way for a very long time and people like to think it's, you know, just a new phenomenon when it started in 2016. I mean, no, it's not. that's not correct at all. I mean, like, I can remember... Uh, you know, you used to see stuff. Do you remember when Mitt Romney was like the root of all evil in 2012 because he, he, he left a dog kennel on the top of his car or something and made some... Oh, we had we had binders full of potential female vice presidents. Binders of women. Car. I don't remember dog kennels. Well, I might have to fact check that one. But, um, you know, people really, really anti uh, Mitt Romney. And now, ironically, you know, he, he's people people seem to think they seem to love him in comparison to Trump and it's always been the case I think of as far as, as long as I've been watching politics that that uh, whoever the Republican candidate is you know will be said to be just absolutely evil by the Democrats and of course whoever the Democratic candidate is you'll you know Hillary Clinton wiped her email server or whatever else and there's just there's a lot of hate there and I think one of the things we're very fortunate about in Australia is that we have um, uh, you know it's actually lucky that we have compulsory voting perhaps because uh, if voting's voluntary, naturally it just becomes a battle of who can motivate their own side more versus the other side. There's a lot of perception, I think, also in Australia that the Republicans are the only ones responsible for you know dividing America and dragging off in a particular direction. But I think if you really knuckled down and you looked at some of the issues, what you might see is that a lot of American society has changed its view on a lot of issues, and the Republicans perhaps haven't, or they've they've stayed, their positions have been unchanged. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean that the Republicans are becoming more radical, but perhaps they're not, might be more accurate to say that they've not necessarily kept up with mainstream opinion. Then again, I mean, they want a majority in the House of Reps, didn't they? So, I mean, obviously they are doing decently okay in keeping up with mainstream opinion. So it was good to chat to some young people. It was good to chat to, uh, you know, some couple of older people too and just hear why they like Trump. And the ultimate thing is they think that he's on their side and, you know, they are convinced that this guy is fighting for them. And then we got to the speeches um, and believe you me, this is a hot paddock in regional Illinois. I had to get there four hours before he was supposed to speak or more than four hours because uh, they had some sort of security lockout or some nonsense, uh, which required me to sit through a lot of, you know, people, this is a hot paddock. At least I found some shade. His supporters just standing out there in the sun. Uh, we had the founder of uh, My Pillow, uh, Michael Mike Lindell. Lindell. I'll tell you something. If he ever runs for um, Republican nomination, he might get it. He was so popular, and he told a he told a great story about how he overcame a crack addiction to build his business, which was mm-hmm. excellent, really worthwhile. The type of thing you'd you'd definitely do as a story in business news if he was here in in Australia. But then he was talking about the election fraud stuff and he was talking about voting machines and he said, you know, one of the things that really grabbed me was when he said, you know, that elections had been stolen in Australia because of these voting machines. And I I very nearly went up to him. <laughs> and when was the last time we used a voting machine? I don't machine? think we've ever had voting machines. Because he, 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 uh, he, he went and did like in some interviews in the press conference and I very nearly went up and said, and uh, Mr Lindell, do you know Australia has never used a voting machine? But uh, I thought I'd, I'd be a little bit more polite and not stir the pot like that. And then there was um, Mary Miller, who you'd be familiar with, um, regional Illinois. She got up and spoke and just said the usual stuff you'd expect from, um, you know, kind of a, a very conservative Republican appealing to her base. And then there was Mr. Trump, who um, was, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I thought he was a bit off his game. 
I've watched some of his rallies and speeches before, and I will say this, he's quite entertaining. Um, he knows how to capture a crowd and tell interesting anecdotes and really get his point across. Um, he's usually pretty interesting to listen to. On that day, he wasn't really that funny, um, wasn't really that entertaining, um, and uh, he had a looming storm in the background, uh, which was uh, soon going to roll over the Quincy uh, showgrounds or the Adams County showgrounds and uh, rain everybody out, so he had to be a little bit quicker than he would have liked. But, you know, he talked about his Boeing deal. He talked about, um, you know, Brett Kavanaugh. And he talked a lot about crime and, you know, who's, uh, uh, why aren't we chasing the real criminals and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, was quite a, it was quite a long speech. But you know what? As a, as a journalist, it was rewarding to be able to be there, Jordan. And let me finish with this. I can tell you that lightning and rain and a massive storm rolled into those fairgrounds just after Mr. Trump finished speaking. Is that a metaphor for something? Is it a harbinger of the future? Maybe. For what, Jordan? I don't know. A harbinger of the future? <laughs> to read more on these ones, head online now to businessnews.com.au or pick up the latest edition of Business News. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.